Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on avoiding touchy topics with hairdressers, not wanting people to hold your baby, responding to people asking if you're pregnant, and how to leave a guest bed. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question is about people who prefer formal titles. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on baby showers. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post Senning. Hey, cuz. Good morning, Lizzie Post. <laughs> it's uh, it's Friday again. How did that happen? The week just kind of flew by. <laughs> I think I blinked. I think you did, too. <laughs> I've got two cool things on the mind. And one is that you you went to a baby shower this week, and it was a pretty special one. I did. Pooja's little sister, Abba, is expecting her first child. And we went to Albany, went to visit Pooja's parents, where they were hosting a little shower. And it was so, so, so much fun. I can't wait to talk a little bit more about showers in our postscript. But for the intro, I will talk about the the family experience side of the visit. And it was a real opportunity to introduce Aria to a bunch of cousins that she hadn't met. It's been a couple years since a lot of the extended family's been able to get together. So, so like you've done like the close cousins, but not the cousins a branch out from that. Exactly. And if there are you know, cousins in that sphere who you see maybe once or twice a year were just now catching up on a couple year absence with everybody. And it was just awesome to see Anisha playing with her little cousin friends as more and more of a a big little girl. But then also to see Aria get introduced to all the aunts and uncles that had never met her. And then also to to take William out for a stroll. So Everybody loves a new baby in the family, so it was a, <laughs> a, a, a real chance for Pooja and I to reconnect with a bunch of aunts and uncles and cousins that we're really close to but haven't had a chance to see as much. And as is so often the case these days, I, I mark time through the landmarks that, that my children present for me. <laughs> and this was a real reminder that in some ways that process had been arrested for us and it was it was just such an exhale. It was such a relief and such a joy to be back out there again with the extended family. Well, Dan, I know it was really nice for you all to get to go to that shower. And I'm excited to talk more about it because this shower, I think, 
um, was a little different from what I'm used to experiencing. And so it was really cool to hear about how another family did a baby shower. And so I think our audience will be really interested to hear it. But there was something else exciting that happened this week. Oh, please do tell. <laughs> we got the physical versions of our Emily Post's Etiquette the Centennial Edition. The actual, but I mean, it kind of felt like a birth, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I got mine yesterday. Did you get yours yesterday, too? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we've already checked in on this. But, you I know, did. For the show. <laughs> what are your thoughts? What was your reaction? My Biggest picture thought is that when we first started, we were thinking about a design that would really reflect the 1922 edition, and yeah. this does that. It yeah. really it's 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 evocative, and for someone that has grown up with and lived with that 1922 <laughs> edition of etiquette as an artifact in my life, it's not exactly the same, but it nope. evokes it. It speaks to it. It's clearly inspired by it. It's really exciting for me to see the vision be as close to the thing that we were imagining as it finally turned out to be. What about you? What about you? I felt very similarly. It felt really cool to hold the book in my hands. I love the color blue. That's always a hard thing for me is, is is what the colors will turn out like because you you can't always exactly tell and the blue on the exterior of the book is just such a it's such a beautiful combination of all the blues that this book has been <laughs> when I look at my shelf behind me and I've got like 15 copies of Emily Post's etiquette in there with their blue and their gold writing it's really kind of cool to see this one amid all of them and it and to see kind of where it lies in the shade range of the yeah. books. And sorry for turning my head away from the mic as I say all these things, but it really does feel like it fits. It feels like we've gotten back to where we started, but a modern version of it. And I yeah. think that's that's exactly what we were hoping for. So I was really, really happy to open it and to hold it and to have it be real. And of course, we're going to be really excited to get this book into all of your hot little hands out there. And it is available for pre-order right now. But um, October 4th, October 4th, they will start shipping out and it's going to be so exciting. That's like only a little bit more than a month away. Lizzie, I had not even thought about how it would look on a shelf if if you had a collection of Emily Post books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but once you say it, I'm, I'm instantly because I've got one of those. Mine's actually in the, the laundry room. It's a nice <laughs> dry shelf in the house where I could keep my, my collection of Emily Post books. And now I'm imagining it capping the, the collection going on the other end from the original. <laughs> and it would take a true etiquette nerd to be thinking about it like that. So um, congratulations <laughs> from one etiquette nerd to another. <laughs> Well, from this etiquette nerd to that etiquette nerd, should we get to some questions? <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. 
There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is titled Hectic Hair. I, I feel like this was written by me, maybe. All right. <laughs> Greetings, awesome etiquette. I hope you can give me direction on a dilemma that involves my hair, of all things. I'm a teacher in a very small community. I've heard through the grapevine that my hairstylist of a few years had said some not-so-great things about our local school and its teachers. I chose to ignore it. It was hearsay, and focus on keeping my business to myself. Well, at my last appointment, I was waiting for my color to process, and the topic came up while I was sitting there. The salon is very small, and it was just my stylist, myself, and a male customer. The male customer brought up the topic, and I just ignored them both, pretending I was reading my phone. Everyone's allowed their opinion, so I'm not upset that she and I may differ. I was more upset that she didn't try to change the topic. When you are a business owner, like a hairstylist, I think you have to read the room and find ways to redirect touchy conversation. I switched hairstylists soon after, but I've had some not great results with my new stylist. I'm thinking of switching back. Do you think I owe her an explanation if I return to her? I would only say something if she asked. Is there etiquette to support returning to a business after you previously left their services? I look forward to hearing your take on this situation. Thank you. Hair me out. Oh, good sign off. I know. A good bad pun always. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> makes the medicine go down. <laughs> it does. Dan, what do you think? There's a lot of stuff going on in this question. Oh, there really is. And I, so I want to start with a really direct answer, which is that I don't think there is any need to explain yourself upon returning to a place of business or someone who's provided a service like this. In general, people are going to be happy that you're back. They're going to be happy to have your business and they're going to appreciate that you've returned. 
It's also true that for a lot of service providers, they're used to people using a service and then for all kinds of different reasons, opting not to for a period of time. And that's a topic we've talked about on this show some. How do you break up with a hairstylist? How do you make up with a hairstylist? And often the the good answer and, – and there are subtleties and shades to it. But the, the heart of a good answer to that question is that this is a professional relationship and people that are professionals understand that and they understand that it's not personal and you don't necessarily need to get into a lot of personal things to explain or justify or, or rationalize coming or going from a service like this. So my, my biggest picture, simplest etiquette thought is you can schedule that appointment and go to that appointment the way you would any other. I would recommend being civil and kind and mm -hmm. keeping any bad feeling or resentment or thoughts that might approach something like judgment for past behavior from shading or coloring the the tone <laughs> or the spirit of that 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 coming back experience and 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 really focus on the professional nature of the relationship and the space that you're occupying together, which brings us to the rest of the question, which I'm I'm also sure Lizzie Post has some thoughts about. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And and like you, for the most part, I agree. You don't have to when you when you kind of switch or come back or try someone else and then return to a former stylist, some people bounce around between a couple different people or a few different people. You don't have to explain it each time. You certainly could. Oh, I, I tried someone else and boy, did it make me miss you, you know, and I mean, but in a small town, you might not want to be saying something like that. Um, I like Dan's direction to keep it civil and kind. But I do think that as a customer, you know, you do want to feel comfortable in your experience at the salon. And while it might not be the very first thing I would say, I would consider at some point or if it happened again, especially if it happened again, just letting your hairstylist know that that when you are in the salon, it can be a little uncomfortable to hear conversations about the school or or conversations that are offering criticism about the school or the teachers. And at the very least, you'd appreciate being looped in as someone in the salon who could clearly hear the conversation. But I don't think that needs to happen until it happens again or until you sort of find yourself in the moment. And truthfully, I think it's only if you would feel comfortable standing up and saying something like that or talking with the, ther with, with the therapist. Often stylists are like therapists um, of talking with your stylist either privately afterwards or um, the, I, I'll be honest, Dan, if I had been sitting there in that moment and the subject came up, I don't think I would be able to sit there and not say something myself. I think I probably would have tried to enter the conversation and broaden the conversation if I could. Um, I know that's not everybody's style, but that for me, if if I was sort of sitting there and people were trashing my work or my workplace or my coworkers right in front of me, and I'm assuming it's not a gigantic salon where this was like around the corner out of sight and, and not, you know, sort of a more privatized conversation, I, I would have a hard time not speaking up in the moment. But that's that's me. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking something similar and I wanted to ask you about the the nature of a salon. I know that barbershops are sometimes famous for being places where people talk 
bluntly yeah. about things that we don't necessarily always talk about in what are thought of as public places, even though that's a public place. Or that it's like a community conversation. Like if you're talking about it, anyone in the shop could join in the conversation, you know? Exactly. So so I was in the spirit of honoring that that subculture or the way that often exists within a community as a functional space yeah. for having those kinds of conversations that I would – on one tier, think about allowing myself to participate a little bit. And yeah. that might be that you enter the conversation as it's happening. And it could always be with a um, a, 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 a disagreement that's not disagreeable. Right. Oh, I really? was thinking about that, too. <laughs> I feel so differently about that. Or I have exactly the opposite opinion about that. Or As a teacher in the, that school, I've got I've got an opinion on that one for sure. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> And, and I certainly think in the spirit of fair play and maybe honoring a particular culture, maybe it's mm -hmm. just the culture of that business or that space, whatever it is, that, that you might engage that way. I was thinking yeah. you might not necessarily be comfortable, even if that would be okay in that space. We say about tier two conversations, religion, politics, your love life, that no one has to engage in those conversations, and if you don't want to for whatever reasons, either you're not comfortable or you're just not interested or you don't think it's useful, you could also mention something to the salon owner afterwards just to give them a heads up or your stylist afterwards. You could say something like, I know people like to talk in the salon. I just wanted to give you a heads up that I don't feel exactly the same about that or I feel very differently about that. And I wanted you to know that b before these conversations continued in front of me with the assumption that my silence was agreement or that um, I wasn't agreeing yeah. or approval. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's another fair heads up to give someone. And you might choose to do it after the session more privately if you don't want to make that a public stance, but you mm -hmm. want to allow that information to inform the relationship that you have with this person and how they conduct themselves at their place of business and encourage those conversations in the future. And we would be remiss, Lizzie Post, if we didn't also offer the third option, which is the you could opt to just say nothing and treat this as a professional relationship, ignore the potential bad etiquette of someone else doing this in front of you, and really keep that relationship focused on the service that you're looking for and accept that maybe there are going to be some things that come along with that that aren't so appealing to you. Hear me out. Thank you so much for hearing us out. We really hope that our answer helps. Well, there's one thing about your party that's okay, Mary. Well, what's that, Frank? At least Eddie isn't here. What's the matter with Eddie? Oh, I don't know. I just think he's a drip. Well, you used to go around with him all the time. I know, but I don't like him anymore. He's always, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He shows off and talks too much. Well, of course, Ed isn't perfect any more than anybody else. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our next question is called Backup Baby. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. Would you be able to share some sample scripts for declining requests from people wanting to hold my baby? 
I appreciate the offers and know they often come from a place of love, but many times I am most comfortable holding my baby myself. Thank you, Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous. I I know a lot of moms and parents who feel that way. (laughs) And while, you know, we definitely do want to be able to let go at some point and share that baby around or, or not be the only one always carrying the baby just for our own sake, I think there are plenty of times where you're not feeling like handing the baby over is is the comfortable thing to do in the moment, whether that's for you or for the baby. And it's perfectly okay to say that to people. And I think a very clear, oh, now's not a great time or thanks for the offer, but I'm all set, depending on the nature of what's going on or the person asking or the situation that you're in. I think both would be perfectly appropriate and said with a friendly, gentle tone and you know, often not just like running away from the person, you know, but, you know, staying present. They a lot of times want to see the baby, want to interact with the baby. And some of that can still happen even if you're the one holding the baby. But I think clear and consistent and very easily delivered. So not with a lot of strife, not with a lot of like, emotion behind the, I don't want to give you my baby for whatever reason it is, whether it's because you're really enjoying holding your baby or because maybe you're concerned about how the other person is going to hold the baby. I think you can just say, oh, now's not a great time or I've got her right now. Thanks. And you will be in good stead. Dan, you're a dad of three. I am sure you have dealt with this multiple times. <laughs> what, what's your go-to language? That's all right. I got it. Sort of one sort of lightweight deflection and Mm -hmm. works well, particularly if there's an offer to help. Sometimes the the request to hold the baby comes in the form of an offer. Help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could take her off your hands if you'd like me to. (laughs) That's all right. I got it. (laughs) So I was thinking about sort of the nature of this request and how it comes in and some of the different types of deflection. But you reminded me in none of the sample scripts that I thought of did I use the word thanks. And I just think that is a <laughs> totally I, I'm taking a little note from your answer. You know, thanks always helps. It always just softens whatever it is you're going to say next or is a genuine expression of appreciation. I appreciate the offer, but that's all right. Mm-hmm. I've got it right now. You had a sample script down here. He really prefers to stay with me right now. And that one totally sent me back to when my goddaughter was born and I went to visit her in New Orleans And she happened to be in that state of like stranger danger as an infant. They like go through a phase as an infant where we get real attached to, to the parents, um, or the parent. Sometimes it's just one and that can be real difficult for a set of parents. But it reminded me so much that babies go through phases and sometimes it's about expressing the phase and that that's why the parent holding is a good idea. Yeah. And I, I was thinking of that response in the category of, sort of the more direct things that you can say. Sure. So, oh, could I hold him? Uh, he really prefers to stay with me right now or even inverted. Maybe maybe it's I really prefer he stays with me right now. Ah, but, <laughs> whichever direction that's coming from, right? <laughs> exactly. But that but that the answer is essentially a no. And there's a reason for the no. And it's not about deflecting the offer for help. It's just about setting a boundary and letting people know what's going to work for you or your child at that time. And of course, you want to use that one when it's true, because if you say it to one person and you're at like a baby shower or a party or something like that, and then you're handing the baby off to a bunch of other people, that could get a little awkward. 
Exactly. But also I'm thinking that it's okay to give yourself permission to say the thing that is the reason that you would be more comfortable keeping them. It's just easier for you at the moment. He's been handed around a lot today. Probably the only one that I wouldn't get into is I don't trust you to hold my baby. I was going to say that's about the only one I wouldn't do. (laughs) Exactly. The one other category that I was thinking about is the category where you would love to hand them the baby, but it's just not going to work in that moment because you're about to go do a change or you're just soothing him and calming him down or whatever it is. But they just got to sleep in your arms. (laughs) Maybe some other time, maybe a little bit later when he wakes up, but something that essentially is a deferral that says, no, not right now, but I'll let you know when it's a good time for us, me and the child. Anonymous, thank you so much for this great question. Clearly, we had lots of sample scripts for the different scenarios you or some other new parents might find themselves in. We certainly hope our answer helps. Back in your room, you begin to realize how much you are going to enjoy your baby. He's all yours, every inch, every ounce of him. For you and your husband and the baby, It is the beginning of a new era, an era brim full of surprises and happiness. Our next question is titled, Pregnant? Probably? Dear Dan and Lizzie, I just love your podcast and have been listening for years. Ever since a colleague turned friend recommended it to me, I'm proud to be a sustaining member. Hey, thanks so much. My husband and I are getting ready to try and conceive. Yay! And I have a question around sample scripts. I know it is not considerate for others to ask us if I'm pregnant or how things are going in this department, but in my experience, this hasn't stopped people. I have told very few people that we will be trying soon to help minimize curiosity. Like you, I don't like white lies, and I tend to try my best to always be honest, even when that puts me in an awkward situation. I don't want to lie, and I also don't want my true answer to be revealing. How can I reply truthfully and politely to someone who asks if I'm pregnant while shutting down the conversation? Saying, I prefer not to answer questions about that, or that's between me and husband's name. And then changing the subject tends to leave people under the impression that I am pregnant. In the past, I've tried that type of answer, and it always ends up with me eventually denying that I'm pregnant. Once we start trying, I can't deny it without feeling like I'm lying, or perhaps even hiding my sadness if we have any trouble, God forbid. Do I just have to accept that my evasion will make people make assumptions? I've come up with, oh, am I glowing? As a response, that is a great response. Said in the right tone of voice, this is playful, but still clear I don't want to answer. I'd love to hear what you would suggest. Sincerely, not pregnant, but it could be. This is a great question. It is a great question. And I will uh, second my cousin's delight that you're a sustaining member. Thank you so (laughs) much for your support of the show. I am... Thinking that in many ways the the answer to this question is contained within the spirit of the OIM glowing as a response. Because I think so much of this has to do with the tone. And I was thinking about the way that the same sample script could leave someone feeling like they've either been answered in the affirmative, like they've been rejected in terms of the premise of their question, or that they've been answered in the negative. 
and that that could all be accomplished with a smile, a frown, or a very neutral effect. And I, in many ways, want to encourage NPBICB. <laughs> Not pregnant, but I could be. <laughs> that finding that sample script that resonates with you, that you can deliver with good humor or a twinkle in your eye is... I think going to be the sample script that's going to be the most effective for you and will be the least likely to come across as a scold of someone mm -hmm. for asking the question or like you're pointing out that they shouldn't be asking the question. So many of the sample scripts that I tried, I found myself saying, well, if I said it like this, it could sound like you're reminding someone that they shouldn't be asking. Mm. But if I say it like this, it sounds like I'm being coy and politely not responding to a question that's a little personal. So my thought is that if you give them a little bit of that wink, that they're going to take that as thinking they that not pregnant, but I could be is pregnant. I was wondering if just like sort of directly dealing with it, but stating the privacy needed would be a go. Can I, can I run a sample script by you? Cause will you tell me Please what you do. think of it? Yeah. Okay. So what about, we're talking about it, but we decided not to talk to others about it. So you're letting people know this is like on our radar. It's not like I'm trying to lie and say this isn't a part of our life right now, but we're not like expanding the conversation beyond the two of us. Is that too – like how did, how did I do? It's a little clever, but it's also really honest and accurate. I like it. Okay. Okay, cool. Will you read some of the others that you have in our script notes? Because I do like them. I, I had been thinking things along the lines of, you know, we're just not talking about that right now as a way to bring the attention to to you and your decision not to talk about it as opposed yeah. to saying we're not sharing that right now or something oh, like I that. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about we plan to let everyone know just as soon as we can. Totally. Which essentially says that, no, we're not in a time frame or a window where it's possible for me to answer your question. Right, 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 Again, right, Again, right. might leave someone <laughs> with the impression the answer is yes or it could, or we're again, working depending on, it or, on yeah, how you yeah. say it. Totally, totally. You could apologize. You say, sorry, I just can't get into the details on that just yet. Or sorry, I'm just not going to get into the details of that at this point. Something, but but essentially, a, 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 a you could apologize and just say like kind of like apologizing for not being willing to enter that conversation. Exactly, and yeah, and okay. that might be over apologizing. That might be too much. Eh, that one starts eh. to sound awkward to me as I yeah. test it out. Yeah, um, a cheeky answer. <laughs> this one I thought was really funny. <laughs> you know better than to ask about that. <laughs> Which is pointing out their bad etiquette. But again, if you could deliver it. <laughs> I want more people to do this because I, this is where I actually think it's not a it's not a bad thing as we have moments in our lives that we might be a little more protective of for us to be comfortable telling people not not like no, 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 we don't go there yet. You you know that. <laughs> what am I, I naming it. you? I Nanya. Nanya <laughs> business. Nanya business. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. 
So normally not pregnant, but I could be. This is where we'd be saying, oh my gosh, keep us posted. Let us know how it goes. And yet somehow based on this question, Dan, I feel like we shouldn't say this at the end. Doesn't feel quite appropriate. Yeah, like keep keep it in your own world for as long as you'd like to. How's that? (laughs) But no, truthfully, not pregnant, but I could be. Uh, We are really happy for where you're at in life. And we certainly hope that our multiple sample scripts give you direction to go in no matter who you're talking to or what your personal mood or space around it is in the moment. Thank you so much for a really excellent question. Everybody gets a little impatient for the baby toward the end of pregnancy. That is, everybody but the baby himself. He's in no hurry at all. Our next question is about guest bed guidance. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. Would you be able to share some advice about guest beds? Some time ago, I had been commonly seeing advice to guests to strip bed sheets before they leave an overnight stay. I never previously did this, but after reading and wanting to be a good guest, I stripped the linens on my guest bed after my next stay. However, I got the feeling my host was very confused as they inquired about what I did. After that stay, I've just been asking the host what I can do before I leave to help out before automatically stripping the bed. What are your thoughts? Thanks, Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous, I feel like we should be ringing a bell. Ding, ding, ding. You've already gotten the answer right. I At least I think this is the right answer, Dan. You can tell me if you think differently. But I feel like asking your host is the best thing to do. And it, it does two things. One, I think it shows your intention really directly. I want to help out. I want to make my exit or the, the cleanup or the, any work that you have to do after I leave really easy for you. And what does that help? Like what would look helpful to you? It recognizes that helpful isn't the same thing to everybody. So I really love, really love the tact of asking your host whether beds should be stripped, whether towels should be put in the laundry, just what you could do to help sort of dismantle your room or or get it ready for the next guest or something like that. Um, And I find most hosts, especially most experienced hosts, usually have an answer right there ready to go. And if they don't have an answer, it gets them thinking. Thinking about it, and they come up with an answer. Lizzie, you set me up for the second part of did the I? answer. Oh, good, <laughs> you absolutely did, and I agree a thousand percent. We we advise these days ask your host what they'd like, and as you point out, with that experienced host, there's two most likely answers. One is don't do anything. I've got it. Or there's going to be a cleaning service that comes through the house after you leave. Don't worry about it. They change out the beds and the, wash the linens. Mm-hmm. The other answer that you might be likely to hear is one that comes from, I want to call it a more traditional place, but I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of it comes from my childhood, the expectation that I often had if I spent the night at my grandparents or after we turned over the vineyard house in the summer. And that was that you unmade the bed, stripped the sheets off, and then remade the bed with the cover blanket. And that was a way to leave the room looking presentable, but also there would be no confusion about whether or not the bed linens were clean. People would know very clearly that the bed needed to be made up before the next person stayed. It also gave you an opportunity then to wash those sheets at the end of your stay so they would be ready for the next person. So one of the other pretty common answers is to strip the sheets 
but then you might remake the bed or if it's not specified, I would go ahead and remake the bed so that I left the room looking as presentable as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's the one little detail where if you did get that sort of more old school direction, I think it might be useful to be familiar that that was oftentimes the way it was done so that you mm -hmm. could participate well. And the request might not seem as strange if you were familiar with that as one of the possible things that a host might ask you to do. But like you, Lizzie Post, I would not assume that that's the expectation I would definitely ask first. Well, a short and clean answer to some cleanup tasks or maybe not cleanup tasks for house guests. Anonymous, we really hope that our answer helps for your next stay. It seems like you're a pretty good house guest out there. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your social media post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you're enjoying Awesome Etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we have feedback from Adriana on our last episode, episode 415. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. I wanted to write about Melissa's question concerning her sister-in-law, who deceivingly asked for an iPad for a road trip that did not take place. At its core, even past the deception, I sense this question was truly about the nature of gift giving. Mm. I want to present a different scenario. If the road trip had taken place, the sister-in-law would still have kept the iPad after the trip to use them as desired. Since the iPad was a gift, the sister-in-law could even allow her children some additional screen time after the trip with their recently acquired device. Though the gift was intended to be used for a very specific circumstance, once given, the receiver is free to use it in the future in any other way. I understand that the road trip did not take place and Melissa now feels deceived. However, even if the road trip had taken place, the end result probably would have been the same. Her nieces and nephews would have gotten a new device for extra screen time. Unfortunately, we cannot reasonably expect a gift to only be used in a very specific way or occasionally. This question prompts me to consider all the possible uses of a gift and only give items that I am comfortable with any way in which the receiver may use, or abuse, the item. In this case, if Melissa wanted more control over the iPad, instead of a gift, an alternative would have been to lend the iPad to her sister-in-law for the trip and have it returned to ensure no ill use of the iPad in the future. Can we invite Adriana on the show? That's an amazing answer to that question. I love this feedback. I know it's very clear. And I too sensed that two issues going on here. One right? about the the way the iPad's being used and one about the, the very specific deception that had occurred. And mm -hmm. 
I, I also, like you, appreciate the clarity of wanting to separate those issues and really investigate them. We spent a lot of time talking about trust and yes. lying, and I really appreciate getting a deep dive on the nature of gift giving as well. Thank you, Adriana. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update. We love to hear them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we are going to talk about baby showers, but not just any type of baby shower. Dan, you went to a really special baby shower this past weekend. Well, I did, and I, I mentioned it in our intro. It's special because it's a family member who's so close to us, and that's really exciting. But it was also a special baby shower from my perspective as someone who writes and thinks about etiquette a lot. And <laughs> the baby shower, the wedding shower, the shower experience is something that we talk a lot about on the show. A lot of etiquette questions come in about it. It's a unique and special kind of celebration. It's both – a celebration that happens at, at big moments in people's lives when they're getting married or when they're expecting children. Mm -hmm. But it's also a type of party that involves a lot of gift giving. We shower people with gifts. So it's has a different quality to it than a lot of the other social events that we talk about. And I think it's a natural point of focus if we're thinking about social expectations and big picture in the course of a life, the significant events and how we honor those events. So it's a natural topic for etiquette. And in that capacity, I've gotten used to talking about a certain structure for a baby shower, uh, a set of expectations that people can conform to as hosts and as guests that tend to make the event go smoothly. And mm -hmm. I have a very practical approach to thinking about those things. Well, it's the gift-giving nature of the party that makes you approach it in these ways. It's the fact that it's at a significant point in someone's life that is the motivation for participating and participating well and why it presents an opportunity to connect and get together. Mm -hmm. So in my personal life, I'm excited about seeing the shower in my professional life. We talk about showers a lot. We write about showers a lot. So I find myself at this shower a couple of weeks ago, and there were some elements of it that didn't look like the elements that I'm used to describing in the Emily Post tradition. Mm -hmm. And they came specifically from the Hindu tradition that my wife's family is a part of. And in Hindu culture, there is a a party or a, a puja called the Godbarai that is – essentially an equivalence to a shower in a different culture. It happens mm -hmm. in the third trimester of pregnancy. It translates to fill the lap. So there is a, a giving of things to mm -hmm. a woman who's pregnant. And it's a little bit more ritualized, or at least it was the way I experienced it most recently. It was really done as a prayer. And there was a dressing up and the family all come and present symbolic gifts to the woman who's expecting the baby and also use that moment of presenting the gift as an opportunity to offer a blessing and to say something personal or significant or give advice to the mm. expecting mom. And I was watching the 
the Godbarai happen, the, the puja happen within the context of a shower get together. Mm -hmm. So there were both, uh, you know, balloon arches and little gifts wrapped up in pinks and blues and little stuffies <laughs> and things like that. Things that, to my Classic mind, are very shower, shower gifts. Yeah, and then yeah, there were yeah. also components of the shower that were very traditionally Hindu. Mm -hmm. And whether that's the attire or the um, the presenting of fruit and nuts mm -hmm. <laughs> and some of the other elements that I've come to recognize as elements of Hindu ceremony. And I couldn't watch these two things happen together and not think about the etiquette tradition that you and I talk about on this show a lot, Lizzie Post. Mm -hmm. And as I watched a, a parallel tradition that's also not 100 years old but thousands of years old – I was thinking to myself how fundamental a lot of the things that we talk about on this show are and how oftentimes that eludes me in terms of how significant I find it. And I wanted to share with our audience, people that care about etiquette and think about etiquette, the thought that the etiquette that we talk about on this show is is so significant and it can seem so silly to say a, a, a baby shower is significant and it really matters because – Showers can feel so frivolous when we talk about, you know, games that involve filling diapers or making wedding dresses out of toilet paper. It, it, there, there's a certain silliness, I think, that can be associated with these events. And mm -hmm. yet they do occur at significant times in people's lives and they do bring families and friends together and they mark things that are important to have marked and recognized and – they provide opportunities for us to cement relationships around events and moments in our life that that I think in many ways are important to ceremonialize and to acknowledge. And I don't want to say they aren't to be missed or that, that it's unrecoverable if you don't honor those events in someone's life. But etiquette as an opportunity really presents chances for all of us to do those things and do them well. And I was imagining this postscript as I was sitting there at the shower watching these parallel traditions and the way they blended and fused and informed each other, the way they spoke to each other, and the way they accomplished so many of the same things. Dan, we know that cultures have, have celebrated pregnancies and births for thousands of, of years and, and many, many generations. And as you mentioned, we are all certainly here at Emily Post, at least, really familiar with sort of the modern North American version of the baby shower, which is, has looked very much the same for the past like 70, 80 years now. But I just thought it was so cool to have the two blended at this particular celebration. And I loved hearing how excited you were to experience the Hindu side of the celebration. And I, I know that you are always excited to experience the Hindu side of your life. But for me, listening and, and thinking about my cousin and how he's, you know, integrated and working with his, his family on his wife's side of the family, you came back so darn excited about this shower. It was really fun because I think sometimes showers can be that, you know, if if you're not into the baby games or maybe you're not into gift opening, a shower might be like a grown worthy thing. And I think in a lot of sitcoms and a lot of elements of the entertainment industry, we like to play that joke a little bit. Yes. But it was really fun to hear you. And I know it was hectic. You, you were, you know, in order to 
to let Pooja really spend time with her family while she was there. You were taking care of the kids a lot of the time. But you were so excited and interested in the Hindu part of the celebration. And for me, listening to you, I just found that that portion of it brought so much meaning. I know that we do a lot of certain activities at a shower might be writing down advice or creating a little book of baby advice to the new parents-to-be or parent-to-be. And it was just so cool hearing how much you really loved the ceremonial aspects of the Hindu tradition. Well, it, it really did give me a different lens to view something that in many ways was just so familiar to me. I had stopped seeing it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, and it had it had been a thrash to get there. It was not easy. We had a very sort of confused social agenda in the days leading up <laughs> to the shower. And I remember <laughs> the shower date had actually changed really late in the game. And one of the things that was so challenging to me about that is that it just didn't compute for me. How can you change a shower date because it's important that people are there? So changing <laughs> it is is hard because people are going to want to be there, and it's important that they're there. And Having navigated all that successfully and gotten there, watching those parallel traditions really regrounded me in the spirit of the event. And in particular, I found myself noticing what what you were noticing the 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 parallels between the moment where you got to approach the expectant mother and offer some advice and a blessing. And a game that Pooja and I had invented driving there where there were cards <laughs> and there were five questions and then you answered the five questions. They all went into a jar and got read, you know, uh, suggested names, parent advice, favorite book. Mm -hmm. But it was the, the, the parent advice that played a very similar role to that blessing. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of watched those two moments emerge and play along next to each other. And it just got me thinking about the significance of the event and – the gift giving is a, a symbolic expression of that support, but that that support comes in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me to find the expectant couple before the end of the shower and just to to invest in a moment with them where I really congratulated with them and tried to connect with them on a human level and acknowledge this important thing that they were going through. And it was really inspired by watching these two traditions play out and it really grounding me in in what a special moment that is for for this what's about to be family of people and i wanted to share that experience with the awesome etiquette audience because when i find myself thinking big thoughts about etiquette i often find myself <laughs> thinking about the awesome etiquette audience so i want you all to know you were there with me at this particular shower as i was um, swinging around in my head and, and, and really thinking about the significance of the baby shower and appreciating again, not from a, a little details perspective, but from a great big picture whole life perspective. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share it with all of us. It's my pleasure. Don't forget to telephone the relative. Are the announcements ready? Don't forget to get cigars and candy for the office. Ah, well, father will take care of that. Now for a well-earned rest. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we have a salute from Allison. Hello, awesome etiquette team. I would like to salute my good friends Rachel and Kim for coming to my aid this summer. 
My husband, two children, and I all came down with COVID for the first time this past June. Thankfully, my husband and kids' symptoms weren't too bad, but I was very sick for about a week. After hearing of my illness, my friend sent us a DoorDash gift card to take care of a few meals, but they didn't stop there. They dropped off a gift bag of goodies for us, sticker books for the kids, shower steamers for me, and even a gift card to a nail salon for a little pampering once I was back on my feet. They also offered to get groceries for us or run over vitamins and medicine. I was blown away by their thoughtfulness and generosity. I didn't have to ask for any help. They just showed up. I am so thankful to have them in my life and for their kindness at a truly miserable time. Thank you for all the work you do. I actually started listening to your podcast at the start of the pandemic. I found listening to you both comforting, especially during a time when the world seemed out of control. It's encouraging to know that there are still many people who try to do the right thing and treat others with courtesy and respect. Warmly, Allison. Thanks. Oh, and Aww. thank you, Allison, for a lovely salute. About halfway through, my heart started to warm. I started Aww. to think how remarkable and amazing it would be to have people show up at a time of need like that and just take such good care of you. One of the awesome things of this terrible pandemic has been that, is seeing people show up. I know, Dan, one of the things I exclaimed was that for my family not really being able to participate quite as much. I mean, they, they did some very nice things for me while I had COVID. I was floored by how many of my neighbors were ch and friends were checking in daily on me. And it was really encouraging. So it's nice to, to see that happening across the board for a lot of people. Allison, this was a wonderful salute. Thank you so much for it. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something and to everyone who supports us over on Patreon. Please do connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. We know it's the best way for people to find out about Awesome Etiquette. You can send us your questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app on all of your different devices. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and, and Bridget. Bridget.